Welcome back to BSA by Design, a podcast about transforming healthcare, educational, and research facilities through expert design and insight. I'm your host, Brian Moore, and in this episode, we're going to be talking to Sam Jackson, the president of BSA Life Structures, about local leadership and national expertise. Let me first introduce you to our guest. Sam Jackson graduated from Rolls-Holman Institute of Technology with a bachelor degree of science in electrical engineering. He also earned his MBA from Indiana University's Kelly School of Business. Sam has worked at BSA his entire career, holding a number of positions including principal, director of engineering, chief operations officer, and a member of the board of directors. On May 1st, 2023, Sam became president of the company. Welcome to BSA by Design, Sam. Before we dive into the heart of our discussion, I wanted to ask you about how you got started in engineering. What made you decide to study engineering and what do you enjoy most about it? Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I kind of just fell into engineering. I always excelled in school at the math and sciences, of course, and not so much language arts or, or literature. So it was really more a process of elimination of what I didn't like. And I always enjoyed using the sciences to solve problems. I was always drawn more to the practical application of, of that, um, as opposed to, I knew some people who were getting into math and physics, which it was always geared more towards the theoretical, which looking down the road, I, I really wasn't interested in working at a university or a research facility only. Um, so engineering just seemed to be the practical application of where I, I seem to excel more in school. Mm-hmm. So when you got out of school, what did you think you would do? <laughs> where did you think you would end up? Yeah. So again, even going through engineering school, I realized all of the myriad opportunities that engineers had in front of them. And as an electrical engineer, going through a lot of that, and a lot of what really intrigued me going through school was some of the product development type stuff. Um, At the time, you know, it was a lot of TVs and electronics and things. But going through those classes, I I quickly realized I I was not built to sit at a desk and design circuit boards all day, even though that kind of thing always fascinated me. I I didn't have the the mindset or the patience or the makeup to to do that. So I looked for opportunities that were more consulting based, where there was a mixture of sitting and designing, but also interacting with other people. I just surveyed some professors at school about what the opportunities were in those fields. And just, again, just exploring options and opportunities uh, gravitated towards the design field. So when I, my senior year at Rose-Holman, I interviewed with probably three or four different design firms, not just in Indianapolis. I didn't really have an interest in staying in Indy. So I was interviewing in Chicago and Detroit and other cities. It was just through that process that I came across BSA Life Structures and of all the firms that I interviewed with, they were the ones that I thought were the most progressive, um, had the best culture and where I could see myself aligning with the easiest. It's interesting you just said that because that was going to be one of my next questions. You've got a very unique employment experience, I think, for most people that it's not seen very often, (laughs) which is you've worked at BSA your entire career. Over half of the firm's 50 years, what's, what's kept you at BSA? Yeah, it's really been an interesting uh, journey over the past 25 years. When I first started, you know, I didn't I didn't think I was going to be here the whole time. Not 
not because of me personally, just because I know that's the trend anymore that people will get a job for five or six years and then move on to something else. But the thing that I've experienced throughout my career at BSA is there's always been a next step for me. There's always been another path for me to take, another avenue, more areas for me to learn and grow. And I've always seen those opportunities combined with the fact that I've enjoyed multiple positions I've held at BSA. And I knew that I would be happy here if any of those three things, whether it's project management, client leadership, or firm-wide leadership, I would have been happy doing any of those, um, depending on the makeup of the team around me. Like, where do I, where does my value maximize at BSA? And a lot of it for me is I've also, also had like a career mindset. So it wasn't, I wasn't like, I need to have this position in a year or two. It was always a path of opportunities I saw laid out in front of me. And as you know, as I kept my feelers out for other opportunities and other firms in the industry, outside of the industry, I never came across another one that I thought was going to provide better opportunities for my future than the ones here at BSA. And the fact that I really appreciated Loved working with all the clients that we have and all the people that we have on staff. Why, why would I leave that? So, yeah, I've just I've been here for 25 years and wouldn't have done anything differently. In our last episode, Tim Spence joined us to talk about the differentiators of BSA. And one of the things that came up is the idea of local leadership and national expertise. Can you elaborate on what national expertise entails and how it sets BSA apart in the industry? Yeah. So one of the things that we've been intentional about is we've opened multiple studios across the country is we have a one firm mentality. So our studios are not profit centers. They're regional studios. So all the staff is shared across the country. And one of the things that we've wanted to do and that we are doing is capitalizing then on specific skill sets and expertise of the individuals and the way we're structured that allows them to fly across the country and work on any project for any client um, as appropriate. And in our industry, having the experts that we have on staff, they're hard to come by. So we've got to take full use of them and not let them get sequestered into one region or to a client or two. So really that top level national thought leader expertise should be is going to be shared across the country uh, wherever it's needed. Local leadership is also a key aspect of BSA's approach. How does having local leadership in our studios and across those different locations enhance the firm's ability to serve clients and communities effectively? Good question. We are one of the things that we've always been focused on are client client service and excellent quality of design. One of the things that you need with good client service are people local who can get to the client uh, at a moment's notice, who know the community, who are involved in the community, who know the the people that are interfacing, whether they're students um, or patients, uh, researchers, they have an innate sense of who who's gonna be using that space. All of that builds up into that excellent client service and that requires local leadership. People who know, know what the client's goals are can answer to that and make sure that they're being met. In the world of architecture and engineering, maintaining a national presence while staying connected to local communities can be challenging, I'm sure. So how does BSA strike this balance and maintain its unique position? That's tough. It, it, it all just comes down to staffing, and staffing's never done. It's always a work in progress. Uh, we're always working on 
um, adding top tier talent to our team, maintaining the quality of the people we have on staff through training and resources and development, and really encouraging community involvement um, within the studios so they can go out and get involved where they need to, uh, where they want to specifically, where it makes sense. Uh, so they have a big impact on the people that in, in that community. How does BSA Life Structures ensure that its local teams stay aligned with the firm's overarching national expertise and standards while also catering to those specific needs and nuances that each community that they serve in? Sure. So the way we're structured, our disciplines have a reporting structure regardless of where they sit across the country. And they have a regular meeting, usually monthly, where the disciplines get together and talk about lessons learned, Mm -hmm. you know, any code updates, technically what's been developed, uh, any continuous improvement items. So there's a monthly meeting in which they uh, stay on the same page with standards and deliverables um, and things of that nature. But they're also in tune with their local projects. So they, they have that open dialogue of what's working and what's not working region by region. And what we always strive for is having national standards that are what we consider the right way to do things, right? The best, mm-hmm. the best way to deliver a project or a design, but understanding that each region's different and, you know, there's going to be tweaks and nuances to, to what the local people are needing. So that's why we try to also stay part of being in touch with the community is knowing the local authorities having jurisdiction, local departments of health and that thing. And, you know, the people, the government people who are going to be approving the plans, what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they all look for something different. So knowing knowing the details of, of what's needed is is taken into consideration as well. Right. From the perspective of clients, what are the benefits of working with a firm like BSA that combines this national expertise with local leadership? Yeah, it's a lot of what we've been talking about. So you get the benefit of people embedded in the community who know the people, but they can also pull in a a wide array of experiences from across the country for other lessons learned, a broader um, palette, if you will, of what's worked and what doesn't work and why. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have that, that national expertise at, at their fingertips. Um, so they can come in with a wealth of options, um, design options, solutions right. to make sure we're, we're developing the, the best solution for any given project. Yeah. And I've noticed we've got such talent everywhere, but we've got, you know, team members that are really good in certain things that may be in Raleigh or Tampa and others are in Indy or St. Louis or Denver or Austin, and they all work together, but we also report up. So we have employees in other studios reporting to people in other studios, and I think that constant conversation keeps a lot of that information flowing too, I would imagine. Yeah, that's right. So as we you know, as we have a team of people across the country, there's usually not very many design projects we come across that somebody doesn't have a wide you know, a lot of history with. Mm -hmm. Looking forward, how does BSA plan to maintain and enhance its position as a national expert with local leadership in this obviously ever evolving field of healthcare and educational and research design? So again, it's, it's, that's a a lot goes into that. Certainly staffing is part of it too. And always being a lookout for any top talent we can add to the team uh, from an expertise based standpoint 
It's also focusing on our current staff, knowing the resources and the training and the tools needed to stay at the forefront of things. We have a research component who's out there doing research on the latest trends, data, what's working, what's not working, so we can learn from others. Some of it's academic-based research, so we can apply that to our clients as, it, as it's fit. Obviously, there's, we're, we're at all the national conferences, both attending and speaking at those as well, which is obviously a breadth of information mm-hmm. and experience. Staying on top of, you know, on the forefront of codes, we have people on national code committees, so we have a voice in, in the direction that the industry is heading. And just being aware of all of that and knowing what, what really works and what doesn't work, what's benefiting to the clients, to the, again, to the students, to the patients, based on the work that we've done and what others have done, what's proven to be successful, and taking those elements that are proven to be successful into the next project and can just continuously validating what we know to be true because you know things change over time. What's what was true last year may not be true next year. So just continuously validating that data and that research keeps us on the forefront. Before you go, what is your favorite project that you've worked on and why? 25 years is a long time. There's a lot of projects, literally hundreds of projects. I was going to say how many? I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's been hundreds of projects with a couple of clients alone, let alone all the other ones that I've worked on. I've done some that have impacted the skylines of downtown Indianapolis, which is always fun to see. I've done some that have doubled the size of hospitals, which having that kind of an impact on the on the people who work there is phenomenal. I'll have to say probably one of my favorites is an expansion we did at Community Hospital South. We doubled the size of the hospital. And one of my the reason why it's probably I would list it as one of my favorites is because even though we doubled the size of the hospital, we lowered their electric bill. And it was it wasn't lead and we didn't go through any of the formal documentation or anything, but we went into it with that mindset of sustainability, um, resiliency, um, and reliability, and it was led by the client. And so we just went into it with that mindset and we looked for every opportunity to save on energy that we could. And we, you know, we did some, it's an older project now, but at the time it was a lot of things that weren't commonplace that are commonplace today. Mm-hmm. And through all that, we were able to cut their electric bill like in half. So when you see that, and again, that gets back to the practical application of the engineering that I was talking about earlier. It's not theoretical. It's not what it could be. It's this is what we did. And we tracked it and we projected it ahead of time. And we were intentional about the design components that we implemented. We knew what the payback was going to be and we tracked it throughout. And, you know, the end result is what we thought we were going to achieve. So just being able to plan that in advance and be at the forefront of that. And this was back before Indiana had even adopted the energy code. So we were able to work with the client and do something that was really leading at the time. Because of the energy code, a lot of what we did on that project is required by code now, but it wasn't then. So it was really exciting to be part of something that not a lot of people were doing at the time. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And thanks for coming on the show. I know based on your 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 position as president and your wealth of knowledge and expertise, you're definitely going to be back on again in the future. So thanks. look forward to it. Thank you. I'd like to thank Sam Jackson for joining us on this episode of BSA by Design. 
If you're interested in learning more about BSA Life Structures, we encourage you to visit our website at bsalifestructures.com. There's a link in the show notes to contact us for more information. Be sure to subscribe to BSA by Design wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And we've got more content and stories to share through various platforms, so be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and X. That's going to do it for this episode. Join us again next time on BSA by Design.